Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, June 16th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next 20 minutes as I chat with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk about the RBC Heritage down at Harbortown in Hilton Head, South Carolina. We'll also talk about this week's NASCAR race at Talladega, the Geico 500. We'll try later in the week to do some stuff on the Belmont. We'll see if we get to it. Still waiting on the post positions and past performances and all that of the field. So we'll try to do that later in the week. But if not, there will be a preview of it over at bangthebook.com. Speaking of bangthebook.com, we got golf, we got NASCAR, we got UFC. We got coverage of the NBA and NHL playoffs with some futures discussion, all that kind of thing. And of course, the Daily KBO article. So make sure you check that out as well. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Like I said, joining me here today is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. Uh, hey, listen, golf's back. That was great. And, uh, you know, we did the podcast last week, and I will tell you, uh, the plan worked. And that was we had grenade prices all over the place with the uncertainty of them coming off a layoff. But said, you watch and, you know, apply what you've seen. Sunday morning, I got Berger at 14 to 1. Uh, in what well, he was three back. And you know what? As much homework as you do or you look at it and all the things and they come to memory, you know, information's a wonderful thing. I'm watching the broadcast Saturday, and I'm pretty sure, uh, I think it was Dottie Pepper that said, because they were following the same five, six, seven guys. Well, they only showed Berger hit about three or four shots. But during the one little short blurb where they had Berger up, She's talking about how he was rookie of the year, had a wrist injury, and you know he just kind of dis- disappeared. But then since he'd returned, that before the shutdown, he was playing better than anybody. He, he didn't win, but he had like a, a ridiculous streak of like 30 rounds, consecutive rounds under par, like leading the PGA by a good margin. So I'm sitting there Sunday morning having heard that and going, he's three back. And if, so you're basically telling me I'm guaranteed he's shooting 69 or better, you know, 14 to 1. Now, he got lucky, obviously, because Morikawa, Tita Green, was the best player. He missed a boatload of putts on Thursday, and that was the precursor to him missing a four-footer to win on 18 and a three-footer to stay alive in the playoff. But I'm telling you, the, the strategy is to shoot for the moon heading into the tournament and then reload heading into the weekend or even on the morning of the final round and get the overlaid price. That's the beauty of betting golf. Yeah, definitely. Again, like you said, I mean, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to look for the big numbers from a pre-tournament standpoint and then watch, follow along, pay as much attention as you can. I mean, yeah, you might have to pay a little bit for PGA Tour Live or something like that, but you can follow a lot of the stuff that's going on Thursday, Friday, of course, see do the golf channel and CBS coverage on Saturday and Sunday. And you know, kudos to you for that burger grab there uh, going into the final round. And you know what? Yeah. Maybe you got a little bit lucky that Morikawa missed some putts that Shawflake, you know, maybe missed that putt on 18. Maybe he goes 
and DeJambo, winds up winning in the playoff. DeShambo yeah. catches a flyer lie. Honestly, I mean, to, to take what you watched and apply it to this week, then DeShambo says after the round, uh, you know, yeah, it's frustrating, but I didn't do anything wrong, and I hadn't been playing any competitive golf. Forget that he's all bulked up and he hits at a mile. He played great, and the bottom line is he's right in the teeth of this thing. He hits a six iron off the tee right into the center of the fairway, hits a mound, and, you know, it just rolls about a foot into the first cut, and it was a fluffy lie, and he had a pitching wedge, and he hit it, and it was a flyer lie, and the thing just took off. He flew the green, and it was a bogey through no fault of his own. But, I mean, of all the favorites, McElroy Thomas, Rom Shoffley's a, I love Shoffley. Shoffley showed the guts of a burglar, by the way. Hit it in the water, makes a 60-footer for bogey, then a long birdie putt. And, you know, he, he's got he's got guts, that kid. I, I love Shoffley. But of the favorites, DeShambo looks like he's a guy on a mission to me. And I think he comes right back with another big effort. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going chalky. But of the chalk, uh, DeShambo would be the guy at the top of the list from what I saw. Well, the thing about Shoffley, too, is that, you know, when you look at his past results, he plays the best in the best fields on the toughest courses. He's almost one of those guys that, you know, he's probably not a very good practice player, but when you get to the game, he just stands out. He seems like that kind of guy here. His demeanor. His demeanor is unbelievable. You know, he doesn't go nuts when he makes it. He doesn't flip out when he misses it. You know, uh, I, and he's just solid. He's The kid's winning a major in the next two years, if not, so, you know, one later this year. So as you mentioned, Rory, your favorite, about 10 to 1. DeShambo, 11, 12 to 1. Justin Thomas, same range there. John Rahm, about 18 to 1. Justin Rose, I saw him as high as 30 to 1 earlier in the week here. Well, I guess earlier in the week being on Monday. Now I'm seeing him down in the 20 to 1 range. So it seems like he's getting a little bit of love this week. Sung J.M. cranks out another top 10. He's 20 to 1 along with Webb Simpson and Shoffley. Patrick Reed played really well last week. He's 22 to 1. Morikawa, maybe the best iron player on tour, 25 to 1. Spieth was good. He's 28 to 1 here this week, along with Hideki Matsuyama, who didn't play last week. But once again, really, really good field here at Harbortown. Par 71, about 7,100 yards. This is another one, though, much like last week, where you don't necessarily have to be a bomber to put up a good score. No. And I, it, I, I think what we watched last week, things I would normally apply, I just say coming in, who who got their act together uh, on the weekend and uh, they, they found something. And the other thing is I think you have to be willing to forgive because they were all shaken off rust. But the guys that made the cut, and did good stuff on the weekend. I thought now Hovland and Neiman are big prices. You know, they, they look good. Now, the one that Kisner always plays well here. But there's a trend. Is the sample size big enough? I don't know. Uh, but in the last four tournaments at Harbortown, first-time PGA Tour winner. Last year it was C.T. Pan. So if you're looking for a guy to win his first PGA Tour event, and that, if that's a trend and you got to use a guy in that category, I'm going to use Matthew Fitzpatrick at 60-1. to 1. And then just to cut to the chase, again, it comes down to, you know, like last week I, I had five, six guys on the front end. Uh, the lowest guy was 80-1. to 1. I had guys as, as high as 550-1 to 1 
Uh, and literally, the only run I got for my money was Jim Furyk. And then said, limp in and swing and then make your play, you know, after you see it. But I think I also, I think I'm going to whittle it down and not do as much at the end of the year. The average return on investment doing it that way is about 30 to 1. Uh, but if I do less on the front end and make bigger bets on the reload on Friday night and then even on the, on the final day, that might be my strategy. So I'm going to throw names out there. I got to decide. I'm going to do only three this week. Fitzpatrick's one. He's at sixty to one uh, because there's a category four in a row first time winners. I want to do it, but I'm not gonna. But Ty Hatton's at sixty to one, and the guy was sixth in the WGC. Then he won, and so basically he's coming off the shelf, and he played great coming off the shelf before. That's a ridiculous overlay on Ty Hatton with the form he had. Uh, before the layoff, so I think you can take a look at, at Ty Hatton. I had to hell what I'm going to do for uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's at 60, Hatton's at 60. But then the swinging for the fence. We know when we did this podcast in the in the spring, Adam, we were talking about watch out for guys that were coming out of the Presidents Cup, and lo and behold, they won like four out of the next six tournaments. Guys that had uh, competed and played well in the President Cup. M was one of them. Another guy was Cameron Smith. Now, Smith missed the cut by two shots here at Colonial. So, you know, but you're shaking rust off. And so he played some competitive golf, and he does some work. The only reason I'm saying that this is a ridiculous overlay. The guy's ranked 38th in the world. He's 15th in the FedEx, uh, and he's got a win. There's only been 11 tournaments this year, and this guy's got one of the 11 wins, and he's 125 to 1. That's insanity. So just on the price, I'm going to play Cameron Smith. But the one that really just, it sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I'm not his biggest fan, uh, and he doesn't kick the door down that often. But I watched the tournament this weekend. Bubba Watson is 100-1. to He shot 68, 66, 68, 65 at Colonial. Now, Bubba Watson plays sweeping slices and hooks, and Colonial is this narrow course where you don't need to be a bomber you got to play from the short grass Bubba Watson on that course you're thinking the way he moves the ball that course would not be good for him he played great if you look at his record this year he was third in the waste management sixth at the farmers and he just you know he shoots 65 Sunday finishes seventh in the Charles Schwab I mean current form he's a hundred to one he's got three top tens recently how was he a hundred to one I don't know. That's a good list, though. I definitely like a few of those guys. A few of those guys I took a very close look at because, you know, again, we talk about year-to-date statistics, and I don't know how relevant those are right now. Coming off of, you know, essentially three months of not playing a competitive PGA Tour tournament. So I'm kind of looking at the guys that did really well last week in terms of hitting fairways and in terms of making putts. One of them, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's also on my list here this week. Fifth in strokes gained putting last week. He was in the top 15 in driving accuracy. Those are two things that will play very well here once again this week at Harbortown. Another guy, and, and interestingly enough, this is a guy who kind of graded similar to Bubba Watson in a lot of ways last week. Rory Sabatini. You know, mm-hmm. he's out there in the 100, 125 to run, uh, 125 to 1 range. Fourth in strokes gained putting last week. Top 20 in driving accuracy. 
He played really, really well. And he's a guy that's actually played well here in the past at Harbortown also. You know, a guy that's got four top 10 finishes at Harbortown over the last 10 tournaments, two additional top 20s, 10th last year, plays very, very well here. And I'll throw out one more in the interest of time just so we can head on over to Talladega for a minute. But Brandon Grace, you know, Brandon Grace, the price isn't great on him this week. I think I've seen in the 40 to 60 to one range is a past winner here, which is why this price is dragged down a little bit. But last week, he sprayed it all over the place. He was dead last of guys that made the cut in driving accuracy, yet finished in the top 10 because he was top 20 in strokes gained putting and strokes gained approach. You got to figure, again, a guy that didn't swing it well off the tee, managed to scramble well, managed to make some putts. If he hits more fairways here this week, and he seems pretty comfortable at Harbortown given his past performances here, I think that's a guy that should be in the running on Sunday as well. And again, these aren't just outright prices that we're looking at, head-to-head matchups, guys to keep an eye on heading into the weekend if they make the cut, stuff like that. I think we threw out a lot of good names here, Brian. Yeah, and, you know, and again, you listen, you know, it's your money management and how you bet it. I will say this, of the grenade prices that I played last week, the only guy that I got a real, because we said that you were throwing darts. I mean, we did, you know, current, you had to see what they were doing. We didn't know what they were doing for 13 weeks, but the way the course, what the course called for hitting the short grass, being good off the tee. I, the only guy who gave me a run for my money was Jim Furyk. Uh, by the way, uh, Jim Furyk recently won at Harbortown. So, you know, Furyk had a big number. Uh, you know, he played well, he played very well. At Colonial. The Furyk's not in, an insane play here either. I guess I will throw out one more name quickly here. About 80 to 1, 100 to 1 or so. Ian Poulter. You know, Ian mm-hmm. Poulter played relatively well last week. He's got back-to-back top 10 finishes at Harbortown, also in 11th and in 18th. And what's unique about the tournament this year, well, there are a few things. One, it's not an invitational field by definition. They expanded the field to 155 players. But the second biggest thing is that This tournament often follows the Masters. So a lot of the top names haven't really played this event, certainly haven't played it recently. And a guy like Poulter, we know Poulter plays well at Augusta. He's had some very emotional rounds there. He's not coming off of the Masters this time. He's just focused solely on this tournament, maybe at 80-1 to with a good history here and some pretty good putting last week. Maybe that's not a bad name to take a look at either. I won't say you stole my thunder, but I didn't mention it. Well, but if it's idiot minds think alike, it's probably the, the safer way to put it. That was that was also one of the reasons I, I was looking at Bubba Watson, because this tournament was always right after the Masters, and Bubba Watson doesn't play here. I, I I'm looking back on his past results, and you know, obviously he's he's won Green Jackets, but this was a tur- this was a tournament that was just not on Bubba Watson's schedule. Because, you know, the the course at the Augusta's obviously set up for Bubba Watson. There were times he won where he wasn't going to go. And for whatever reason, I just I went back about five years, six years. I just didn't see him playing playing uh, here at Hilton Head because it was the week after the Masters. But honestly, I, I you know, the, the Bubba Watson one to me, ju- just from a current form perspective with three top tens and and he's, he's coming off, uh, you know, playing really, really well. I'm not saying he's winning the tournament, but um, you're telling me, uh, you know, 
the way Dustin Johnson played, that Bubba Watson shouldn't be 35 to 1 instead of Dustin Johnson uh, or, or, or Tony Finau or Kisner and Grace? You know, he's like an afterthought. It's it's an overlay. It's, it's We always search for bad numbers. You know, that's a bad number. Well, let's see how that one plays out, not just on Thursday and Friday, but also throughout the weekend there with a lot of the guys that we mentioned. A lot of those guys covered in my article over at bangthebook.com and my daily fantasy article as well. And, Brian, I know you also did something here, uh, recorded a golf podcast of your own on Monday. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm just thinking, I'm going from memory for my, and I, because they only showed him once or twice. I'm not sure, but did Bubba lose the idiot yellow ball? I mean, you can't win a golf tournament with a driving range ball. Yeah. I, I think he played a white golf ball. I like him even more. That <laughs> <laughs> yellow golf ball. I mean, I mean, every time he goes to hit it, I'm, I'm thinking there should be a bucket next to it. Yeah, that, uh, what is it, Betmaker Golf Podcast, I believe? That's on your Twitter feed, at Brian Blessing. Oh, yeah, it's at, at Brian Blessing on, on Twitter. I, I do it with Cam Stewart, and uh, it's uh, he's a riot, We and we have good time. In fact, we both, uh, he got burger at a balloon number. He got burger at 70. Uh, I got him Sunday morning at 14, uh, but it, which just speaks to the way, you know, you can bet these things. And then the other thing, you know, the fun you have with the golf, I take little flyers to have some fun, you know. I, I'm not like you know clowning around. I'm, I'm trying to make money on it. But I, I did a three-team matchup parley Saturday, and two of them, the one I, I was worried about hit because Spieth come out of the gate, but Shoffley came back and beat him. Sung J M I think was the other one, and then the one that I thought was in the cookie jar was Berger over Woodland, and Woodland birdied 17 and 18 to beat me on Saturday. But then Sunday, I came back and got it. I caught the, the good side of it, played another three-team parlay with matchups, and Patrick Reed birdied three of the final four holes to win the matchup. So, you know, it's not just the odds to win this thing. There are real opportunities with the matchups as well. But I, I honestly, I believe a lot of this is watching, watching Thursday, Friday, and playing those weekend matchups. Once you've seen these guys play, uh, then you know, hey, you got a legitimate opportunity because you got a frame of reference. You know, I, I you know, coming into you know the, the first round, you can do it and you got a shot. But I, I think once you've seen them play, your your chances are enhanced mightily, if you ask me. Well, we head to the Super Speedway now, the big track at Talladega, the Geico Five Hundred. Joey Logano is your favorite. A little more than ten to one out there in the marketplace. Some places probably a little higher than that. Denny Hamlin, the second favorite, last week's winner, 11-1. to Brad Keselowski, 13. Blaney, 14. Same as Chase Elliott. Harvick and Kyle Busch in that 14-1 to range. And if those prices sound big to you, well, it's Talladega. It's no longer technically a restrictor plate race. They put a tapered spacer on the engine, so it has the same effect. But as we know, I mean, this is always an interesting race. The big track, the fast track big crashes, all those kinds of things. So you see the favorite prices go up a little bit, but the second tier and the third tier prices come down quite a bit for the Geico 500. My favorite races of the year are Talladega. And this is where you swing for the fence. You know, NASCAR basically, you know, you, you need the engine under the hood. 
and on mile and a half tracks and uh, you know Bristol's kind of maybe the field is leveled off a little bit but this is a crapshoot this is guys that know how to put themselves to be in position in the last three four laps and you need the luck to avoid the big accident because if there's sometimes there's two big ones and literally at the end of the race there could be six to eight cars that are running on the lead lap that didn't get collected in the big accident and you can get the home run price. And uh, you know, I, I actually I had Reddick at forty to one last week. This kid is a stud, and he's so aggressive. And he's only twenty two to one this week. Uh, but I, I, I got to run for my money with him. If he'd have got by Blaney, uh, he was coming at the leaders. But he, he had a great run. I've been using him. He's, a, he, I was, he's, you're stealing money with Reddick in these group matchups where they got him down against some of the lower tier guys. Believe me, he he's climbing the ladder fast. Tyler Reddick in group matchups. Take a look for him. Two guys, I'm absolutely. I said this weeks ago, uh, and I'm going to play them. Honestly, I'm a bit disappointed. I was hoping for a much better price, but maybe the cat's out of the bag. Uh, Eric Almirola is a twenty-two to one. The guy's just really good at restrictor plate racing, and you know you need you need some luck. You got to be there. The other guy that I think has run well in restrictor plate races and is a name we're going to hear from, you know, in the not-too-distant future. He's racing with the Wood Brothers. It's still a car that's a notch below the other cars, but in this restrict, I don't care what they say they did, you know, you're, you're sucking up right up against the guy pushing and then, you know, having that one run at the end of the race. But if he doesn't get collected, a guy at 40-1, to 1, Matt DiBenedetto. I'm, I'm, those are the two guys I'm playing this week, Eric Amarolo and Matt DiBenedetto, uh, because this is the race you can play prices. I like Reddick as well, and in fact, I see him here best finisher for Group E with Eric Jones, Jimmy Johnson, and Ryan Newman. Reddick plus 270, the highest number uh, out of that group. I, I agree with that, and you know something I thought was pretty interesting as I was handicapping this race this morning, Toyota has not done particularly well here of late. Ford and Chevy have occupied a lot of the top five spots and a lot of the top 10 spots. So again, you know, I've kind of talked about that a little bit here off and on throughout the season of kind of fading some Toyota guys. Wasn't on Hamlin last week. Of course he winds up winning, but you know, Kyle Busch just something's off. Something is misfiring. Doesn't have a win here. Uh, Truex obviously has run very well, but he does not run well at all at Talladega for one reason or another. And in fact, you look at Truex this week, 26 to one at five dimes. That's below guys like Ricky Stenhouse, guys like Clint Boyer, Amarola, as you mentioned, Alex Bowman. That's below him as well. So Truex looks to be off the radar a little bit here this week. Also, Kevin Harvick. I mean, when do you ever see Kevin Harvick in the 15 to 1 range for a race? But he's just not great here at Talladega. And some of these guys like this race, some of them don't. And the guys that don't, it almost does feel like kind of a throwaway event to them. Yeah, I mean, you got to accept that, you know, the, the, and there's, honestly, the, the guys, uh, the, there's, you, you can get yourself in trouble by playing it safe, but there are great cars. That, that you'll watch them. They just go to the back of the pack and they, they just cruise around, wait for the big accident and then hope they can slow down and, and avoid it. And then all of a sudden at the end of the race, they're, they're, you know, the car is fine. They're just by strategy staying back. They're going, I don't want to run the 10th and be flying up there and my car's as fast as the other car because the guy in the second row spins out, takes takes you out. 
So some quality cars will strategy-wise be racing at the back of the pack. One other guy should mention, and the odds makers are on board with this, and it's it's a bit of a deflated number, but the other guy, A, he's always really good on restarts, and he's aggressive. Uh, it, more often than not, it seems like he's the guy that pushes the guy to the win. But Kurt Busch is always really good in restrictor plate racing. So I, I would say the three for me, um, you know, names that are not uh, maybe a touch below the 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 top tier guys, but I would say El Marola, De Benedetto, and Kurt Busch would be the guys I'd be looking at here. I, I like Kurt Busch a little bit here too. Four straight top ten finishes in the spring race and in the fall race, actually led the most laps in 2018. Then finished 14th in that one. But you look at last year's top five: Chase Elliott won, Alex Bowman was second. That was before this early season breakout. The other guys in the top six: Ryan Priest, Daniel Hemrick, Kurt Busch. Uh, Brendan Gaughan actually finished eighth. Uh, you had Ryan Blaney win in the fall. Ryan Newman was second. Amarola was fourth. Michael McDowell was fifth. So that just speaks to you know kind of how the top five can look here at Talladega with some of those big if, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm trying to think if there was an accident at the end uh, at Talladega last year. I think there was. But if memory serves in the last lap or two, like Brendan Gaughan either had the lead or was running second, like and he like and he finished eighth, and then he may have got collected in an accident right at the wire, but that that's the, it tells you the wide open nature of this. Brendan Gaughan avoided the accidents. There was there was two big accidents, and and he was literally in there with a. I mean anybody can win this thing. It's just a question of avoiding the big accident, and it's going to happen. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. What do you got going on on those two shows, Brian? Uh, noon to 2 Pacific time, KSHP.com. Got the listen live function there. Shows are archived at sportsbookradio.com. I put the links out on Twitter uh, at Brian Blessing. And listen, the uh, sportsbooks are back up and running, so we always have a you know a great roster of, of sportsbook directors uh, on Sportsbook Radio. And, uh, you know, the hockey show, we, we get great guests from around the NHL. If you're a hockey fan, and believe me, this is getting interesting. By the way, they extended the uh, U.S.-Canadian border closure to the end of, uh, excuse me, to July 21st. So that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't help, but it doesn't necessarily preclude Edmonton or Toronto to be one of the hub cities they're reporting to camps on july 10th but i would think they'd want to make an announcement prior to vegas is pretty much a stroke on the board to be one of the cities and the east eastern conference teams will be coming to vegas uh i guess it's columbus pittsburgh if it's going to be in the states uh but clearly uh edmonton and toronto most likely toronto um the in the eastern conference to be one of the hub cities but the news now that the border's closures extended to july 21st doesn't help but it doesn't preclude them because the players somehow have already been crossing the borders back and forth to get back to their respective teams well it should be very interesting to watch as we go forward make sure you listen to vegas hockey hotline where that gets talked about on the regular once again follow brian on twitter at brian blessing as well brian appreciate your time as always man thank you so much for joining me and uh, we'll either talk to you again later in the week or sometime next week all right, my friend. Always a good time. There you go. There's Brian Blessing. Once again, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com for Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline at Brian Blessing on Twitter. 
I'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Betters Box, our KBO betting podcast. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday.